Blog Talk Radio. The B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. The B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. here on Truth Be Told Radio, and this uh, weekend themed with uh, Thanksgiving, just had Thanksgiving of past Thursday, and I'm uh, going to have Thanksgiving for John MacArthur lesson, and then also um, with the answers in Genesis, and try to play something from Wretched too, and later, and thanks for listening, here goes Giving Thanks for Redemption by John MacArthur, here on Truth Be Told Radio. The joy that Paul or any other Christian experiences is not some transient emotional feeling that lifts you up one moment and drops you the next depending on circumstances. True joy is an unwavering constant in a spirit-filled life. Welcome to this Thanksgiving edition of Grace to You Weekend. 
Hopefully you've had the chance over the past several days to reflect on all of the things that you have to be thankful for. Perhaps your job, where you live, your family, your church. Well, today in John's message, he's looking at the most profound reason anyone could have to be thankful with a message titled, Giving Thanks for Redemption. Uh, John, before the lesson, I know that uh, you've said Thanksgiving is a holiday that you enjoy the most. Why is that, and what sets uh, Thanksgiving apart? Well, that's easy, Carl. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday because it's just Thanksgiving. That's it. It's nothing more than an opportunity to say thanks. I, I understand you eat a lot that day, but that even has historical significance because that's where the original Thanksgiving started back in the early days of our own nation. But Thanksgiving isn't cluttered. It, you know, it's, it's certainly not like Christmas with all the just endless clutter around what is supposed to be a celebration of the birth of the Son of God. Christmas is painful in most cases for me. I, I, I love it when we finally get to church and we finally worship and we finally honor the Lord Jesus Christ. But all the stuff around Christmas, just it's just clutter. It's a reminder of the effort the world has made to try to bury Christ under all of it. And, you know, when you think about the resurrection, you think about Easter, and Easter has nothing to do with anything except some pagan festivals and eggs and rabbits and spring hats and whatever else goes along with it. Again, that is a cluttered holiday. There's something wonderfully simple about Thanksgiving. One entire day focused on thanking the Lord for all that he has done. And it's not enough. I mean, we we need to live lives of thanksgiving. In everything, give thanks. This is the will of God for you. So we should be thankful people 24-7 through our lives. But it just seems refreshing and especially sweet to pull together family, people you love, and, and maybe close friends, and give your attention to saying thanks to the Lord. I, I love the simplicity of that. And I, I guess I especially love it, too, because it's in such stark contrast to what comes a few weeks later when we get to Christmas. So Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. Friend, we'd like to help you extend your Thanksgiving celebration with today's lesson, Giving Thanks for Redemption. Follow along in your copy of the Bible or use the Study Bible app on your mobile device. With his message from Psalm 107, here's John MacArthur. When I think about soul salvation in an Old Testament context, I'm so often drawn to Psalm 107. And I confess that, that I am stuck on this psalm. Uh, as much as any part of the Old Testament, it puts us in touch with how people in the Old Testament were saved. Just a profound, profound psalm. And it's really all about praise. Worship and praise and honor to God is really a matter of, of thanking God. The opening verses uh, are a summons to thank God. Verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. It just, in that summation, rehearses all of the deliverances of Israel from every direction. The key phrase there in verse 2 is, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Those who have been redeemed are the ones who ought to be praising God and thanking God. 
Those who have been redeemed are those who can genuinely sing the song of thanksgiving for God's goodness and God's mercy to them. Goodness and mercy is the theme of the song, and it's the theme of the life of one who has tasted its sweetness and been invited to sing praises to a redeeming God. As you look at it, you see four illustrations of God's redemption. They're just very lovely, very magnificent and yet simple pictures, four pictures of God's redemption. First, in verses 4 to 9, God's redemption is like a lost caravan finding a safe city. Secondly, from verses 10 to 16, God's redemption is like a captive prisoner being set free. Thirdly, in verses 17 to 22, God's redemption is like a sick person having found health. And finally, in verses 23 to 32, God's redemption is like a doomed sailor being rescued from certain death in a storm. Each of these poignant graphic analogies illustrates the blessedness of God's redemption. Now each of these four pictures falls into the same pattern. The psalmist follows a sequence here. First there is the predicament, then there is the petition. Then there is the pardon, and then there is the praise. Our own redemption from sin is imaged in these magnificent analogies. We too are like people lost in the wilderness, locked in prison, languishing in deadly sickness, and life-threatened on a storm-tossed sea. This picture then is not only of the redeemed of the Old Testament, but us as well. Let's start with the first picture. It's very, very clear. That of being lost in a wilderness. Verse 4, they wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. There's the predicament. There is the predicament. Restless, lost, sinners without resources, starved and thirsty, wandering hopelessly in a trackless desert, aimlessly looking for a city which can provide food and water, rest and safety. Obviously, this could well depict Israel in the 40-year wandering in the wilderness when they came out of Egypt, wandering restlessly and aimlessly, roaming around in a wasteland, a howling desert between Egypt and Canaan where they all eventually died under divine judgment. could also describe us, any troubled, destitute, forlorn, lost soul wandering aimlessly in the barrenness of sin without the soul supplying spiritual bread and water of life. That's how sinners are. They wander looking for a city, some place where there's water, some place where there's food, where there's provision and joy and fellowship and rest and security and safety from the ever-present and impending death. That leads to the petition in verse 6. At this point, Psalmist says, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. People ask me all the time, how were people in the Old Testament saved when they realized their spiritual condition and cried out to the Lord? That's how. They cried out to the Lord in their distresses. Israel certainly cried to the Lord in Egypt. They cried to the Lord in Babylon. They're beseeching God for redemption from bondage and redemption from barrenness. They told God of their famished and, and a serious plight and condition. They illustrate, really, sinners of all times. 
who recognize their failure to, to keep the law of God, who recognize their lostness, their aimlessness, who recognize their deprived and their depraved and dangerous condition. They're really looking, according to Hebrews 11.10, for a city whose builder and maker is God, a city that has foundations. It's not transient. This is where the sinner has to come to a desperate sense of need. And the Old Testament person saw the law of God and saw that he or she couldn't keep it and recognized the desperate condition, recognized the alienation from God, recognized that there was impending death on the horizon and cried out to God in a condition of lostness. Like sinners of any day who realize that the whole world is a barren wasteland, a vast, empty desert, stark and deadly, who become desperate enough and hungry enough and thirsty enough and pained enough and frightened enough to call out to God for a way to a city, a city with limitless resources, provisions, rest, security, and satisfaction. And verse 6 says, this is so wonderful, and He delivered them out of their distresses, and He led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. When Israel called to God, He heard them and He delivered them. And He led them to a right way. Actually, the Hebrew is a straight way. literally means a, a road without humps and bumps and curves and turns, an easy road. The grace of salvation makes it an easy way. The journey is depicted as a straight way, an easy way. God provided goodness and mercy and grace, and it was Him who did all the work. All we had to do was receive it. Well, the petition leads to the pardon, and the pardon then leads to the praise in verses 8 and 9. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men, for He satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. What could more deserve the praise and thanks of God's people than that they are safely on their way to the heavenly city? The second picture here is also a lovely picture. It's, it's a picture of being liberated from a prison, lost in a wilderness, and secondly, locked in a prison. Verse 10, here's the imagery very clearly. Those who sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, bound in affliction and irons. Now, there is a picture of a prisoner in a dungeon, in the darkness, in the shadow of death. People in those kinds of places died from the filth of those places chained in iron chains that created tremendous suffering. They were there, verse 11 says, and here's the key, because they rebelled against what? The words of God. And they had despised the counsel of the Most High. Therefore He brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. The sinner not only understands the aimlessness and the hopelessness and the despair and the emptiness, but he also understands that he is imprisoned as a result of a violation of God's law, as a result of rebellion against the counsel of God, as a, re a result of rebellion against the Word of God. When Israel was in Egypt and when Israel was in Babylon more recently, the experience was like an imprisonment and they had really no hope of freedom. They were there because of rebellion. They were there because of disobedience. They were, as it were, chained in the darkness and gloom of that pagan place. They were like 
people in a dungeon, a stinking, smelly, filthy dungeon on death row awaiting either execution or death from the conditions without light and without hope. This calamitous situation was brought on by rebellion against the law of God, by sin. And in the Old Testament, it was that. The sinner not only had to come to the realization of his lostness and his insecurity and his aimlessness and his pointlessness, but the fact that he had to come to grips with the fact that he had violated God, that he had broken God's law, that he had rebelled against God, and a righteous God had sentenced him literally to a prison of judgment. The sinner has to come to the recognition of this. And in the Old Testament, that's where the sinner who would come to God would, would come come to the realization that he had rebelled against God and that he was in the prison of his own sin, sentenced to damnation. He would come to the recognition of his spiritual imprisonment. And that leads to the petition in verse 13. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. That's where they come. That's where the sinner has to come. It's the same as verse 6. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. The, the same exact pattern. And then you go from the petition to the pardon in verse 13. And the same immediate reaction. And He saved them out of their distresses. Jesus said it this way, Him that comes unto Me, I'll in no wise, what? Cast out. And He saved them out of their distresses. And He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their chains in pieces. That is, that is glorious, isn't it? And such pardon leads to praise. And the psalmist pleads, if, if this has happened to you, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. That's the refrain that ends each of these images. The joy, have you forgotten the joy consequent to such deliverance? Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness. Lost in a wilderness, restless, locked in a prison, guilty and miserable. Thirdly, languishing in a sickness. Another graphic image. Fools, again, the indictment comes because of their transgression and because of their iniquities were afflicted. Uh, they were made ill. It's like a fatal, deadly illness, a fatal, deadly sickness. And as would be true of someone with that kind of illness, uh, you will notice that in verse 18 it says, their soul abhorred all manner of what? Food. That, when a person reaches the last throes of a deadly illness, they have no what? No appetite. Loss of appetite. And he says in verse 18, and they drew near to the gates of death. This is, um, this is a picture again of the sinner in his lost condition. Here is the imagery. Sinners are sick with a deadly, incurable ailment requiring divine, miraculous intervention for a cure. So the sinner not only realizes his aimlessness, he not only realizes his profound guilt and misery, but he realizes his impotence. He doesn't have the strength or the capability to bring about a cure. He has a condition that is hopeless. He is unable to handle life. He is unable to, to deal with issues in life. He has no peace. He just wastes away to death. 
And when a sinner comes to this realization, verse 19 says, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Same exact flow. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And the petition leads again to the pardon. This is so wonderful. And he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Is this not the goodness of God? Is this not the mercy of God? Here are these lost, here are these locked, here are these languishing, crying out to a God who eagerly, eagerly hears. And the pardon leads to the praise again. Verse 21, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. The psalmist is pleading here. The psalmist is pleading again. He repeats himself four times with this, and it really is a plea saying, please don't be thankless. Please don't be thankless. Praise is what is appropriate. Worship, adoration, gratitude. And when the church gathers, this is what the church gathers to do, to worship and praise and honor God and lift up His saving character and His saving work and exalt the Savior through whom this salvation was provided. Jesus hadn't yet died, but He would be the sacrifice for that Old Testament penitent. And the sins of that Old Testament penitent would be placed on Christ who would bear them. Lost in a, in a wilderness, locked in a prison, languishing in a sickness, and finally, life-threatened in a storm. Verse 23, those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep, for He commands and raises the stormy wind which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens, they go down again to the depths. This is the surging sea. And the soul of the sailor melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. This is, again, the predicament. He always starts with the predicament. The fearful dangers of man's sinful condition is like a storm at sea with its impending drowning. This really requires little comment. The Jews knew that the storm of the Babylonian captivity had swept over the whole nation and threatened to drown them all. But more than that, it was an individual storm that would drown each soul. The world is a sea to sinners. It's a, it's a troubled sea, and it's a sea full of temptation and sorrow and suffering, and its waves will one day drown. And so again comes the petition, simply uttered in verse 28, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He brings them out of their distresses. If ever there was a question about whether God was a willing Savior, it should be answered by this psalm, shouldn't it? These people aren't deserving. These people are undeserving. We all are. And the petition is answered with a pardon. He brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they're quiet. So He guides them to their desired haven. Just beautiful language from a restless, miserable, sick, fearful, aimless, wandering life 
headed absolutely nowhere, with no resources, hopelessly near death and hell, calling on the Lord, that's all it requires. I think some people may assume that people were saved in the Old Testament by some other way than we understand in the New Testament. Not at all. It was a matter of the sinner recognizing his condition. He couldn't do anything to cure his own illness, and so he cries out to God. God is in the business of hearing the cry of the distressed sinner, isn't he? And so the psalmist says in verse 31, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and His wonderful works to the children of men. You know what ought to happen every time your people meet, every time you gather as a church? You ought to be thanking God for His gift of salvation. We want to just be so caught up in worship that uh, like in 1 Corinthians 14, a sinner would say God is in this place and fall down in His face. We want people to eavesdrop on a worshiping community of people who are thrilled and excited and blessed full of joy and gratitude. That's John MacArthur on today's Grace to You weekend, looking at the ultimate reason Christians have to be thankful. His message, giving thanks for redemption, can help you develop a Christ-honoring joy, the kind of joy that endures for every day and every circumstance. Along with teaching here on radio, John MacArthur serves as president of the Master's University and Seminary. Now let's turn the corner a moment and remind you that this radio broadcast is on the air here in your community and in neighborhoods all over the world because of the generous support of listeners just like you. To partner with us in this global ministry of God's Word, make a donation today as you contact us. You can mail your donation to Grace to You Weekend, Post Office Box 4000, Panorama City, California, 91412. You can also make a single donation or set up a reoccurring donation by going to our website, gty.org. You can also do that by calling the toll-free number 1-800-55-GRACE. And a special word of thanks if you're one of our Grace Partners. Now, with Christmas approaching, as you begin looking for Christ-honoring gifts, keep in mind that we have plenty of Bible-related resources available right now. For example, the MacArthur Study Bible, uh, John's newest devotional titled Remember and Return, and much more. Call our customer service staff weekdays between 7.30 a.m. and 4 p.m. Pacific Time, and they'll be happy to help you find the right items to encourage you and your loved ones this Christmas season. The toll-free number to reach them, one 800 554-7223. That number is easy to remember as 855-GRACE. You can also shop online, of course, at gty.org. For John MacArthur and the staff, I'm your host, Carl Miller. Thanks for tuning in today. Remember to watch Grace to You television Sundays on DirecTV, channel 378. And then join us here next time as John helps you cultivate joy. It's another half hour of Unleashing God's Truth, one verse at a time, on Grace to You Weekend.
uh, praise him on Tributal Radio. That's Go Fish doing that one. And next we're going to do this is from Answers and Genesis here on Tributal Radio. God is not the author of death. This is Ken Ham on a mission to strengthen the global church with God's word. As Americans look forward to celebrating Thanksgiving later this week, we're going to look at five reasons to be thankful God created and didn't use evolution. Number one, since God didn't use evolution, he's not the author of death and suffering. So we have answers for a broken world. If God used evolution, then he used a process involving millions of years of death, suffering, bloodshed, and extinction to create us. That makes God an ogre who calls death very good. But the Bible makes it clear God didn't use evolution. He's not the author of death. We're responsible because of our sin. That's why God calls death an enemy. And he defeated it on the cross. Sign up for daily email insights from Ken Ham when you go to AnswersRadio.com. These insights keep you up to date on science, culture, and ministry news. That's AnswersRadio.com. Let me start this off with a hallelujah to Jesus, the sovereign ruler. This is not a rumor. Got the truth, so we about to screw you. Check out a style maneuver. Shout it to you like the loudest group. When Christ brought us up from out the sewer, we don't have to doubt the future. Crafting our verses as we bask in his worship. You asking the purpose, partly to fetch hats from the furnace. Through Jesus' extravagant service, immaculate purchase. He was smashing the serpent, and we only scratching the surface. He proceeded what conceived in the womb of a virgin. The sun emerges in the manger while the angels serenade him. It's the birth of the Savior, the greater and Came a man, came as a lamb and would be executed to execute the plan to substitute the sand. In the place of the wicked on the cross, he was lifted, but we considered him stricken and afflicted, just like the prophets predicted. He came at the proper moment to stop his opponent and lay down his life to offer atonement. He's the most magnificent, the total antithesis of insufficient, the blessed, the glorious, splendid, transcendent, difficult to comprehend, independent of space and time, but presently present, suspending the heavens with speech. From coast to coast, he speaks peace to wind and seas, got heavenly hosts, easily posted on bended knees, controls the cosmos with the most authority, so we both in a Exalted King Christ Supreme He's the sovereign thriller, the awesome healer, the law fulfiller The solemn killer, the fraud revealer, no God is realer, yeah When you're taking your time in the scripture, what you get is a prominent picture See his light shining bright in the night and his fright in the might in the diamond in the mixture See his name at all the renown though, when he came for the lost that he found low He was tamed and floss all around but remained for the manger, the cross or the crown Yo, Satan had a trick hold on him, fight for the rope but open in All to the eyes to the S to the E to the N, that's what we hoping in Risen on his spell check, the risen king can rinse clean The most rebellious, I was hell bound, now I'm spellbound Word is born. I'm a bond servant to the word of life. Uh, call me a sellout. I was fought with a price. We got to hope it won't fail us when we return to the dust. We will rise up just like the one who justified us. It's not wishful thinking when the truth's sinking. We are clinging to the promises that God bringing an everlasting kingdom. Nothing can compare to the worth of what we inherited. Nothing in heaven on earth can measure what Christ merited. The skies declare the affairs of his glorious care. The God who is there, who's aware, who delights in our prayer. His purposes are permanent and perfectly Portionate. Everything that orbits around his glory subordinate. He is the most excellent one. Intrinsic, infinite son. Preeminent, the name par excellence. Prenom, phenomenon. He's beyond phenomenon. You see, the fiber of cosmology, the abba of astronomy. He's potter, we are pottery. It's shocking Jesus died for me. The father, he adopted me and constantly provides for me. Whether or not I got degrees, you gotta see his odyssey. From sovereignty and lottery to poverty. 
poverty and robberies to resurrected bodily apocalyptic prophecy. He's stopping all the mockery and scholarly snobbery that don't acknowledge him properly. You ought to be on bended knee before the preeminent. It's awfully arrogant to reject him to your detriment. Study the development from Old to New Testament. You'll find a theme that's prevalent from age to age. It's relevant. Crisis on its center stage. Forget religious sentiments that center on man. But something less is what you're settling. He is the most excellent exercising benevolence and blessing a remnant with the benefits of his inheritance. Yeah. The sin sinners that separated and segregated that severed the relations between man and his maker and placed Christ on his costly cross and compensated his life, death, and resurrection emancipated and gave us freedom from it all, freedom from the effects of the fall, freedom from Adam and Eve and the garden of Eden and from the law. So the saints stand and applaud his grace and glorious cause with hands raised, praising his name, singing glory to God. <laughs> That was Shining with Supreme featuring Beautiful Eulogy and Shining spelled S H A I L I N E. Find them on netmode.com, L-A-M-P-M-O-D-E dot C-O, netmode.com, that's his record label. And we also play GoFish on here, and their their um, website is gofishguys.com, G-O-F-I-S-H-G-U-I-S dot C-O, gofishguys.com. And now here's another one from Answers and Just. No ape in your ancestry. This is Ken Ham, a missionary to our evolutionized culture, even the church. In celebration of Thanksgiving in America, all week we're looking at reasons to be thankful that God created us and we didn't evolve. In an evolutionary worldview, humans are nothing more than animals. Our closest living relatives, so it goes, are apes, and we're descended from an ape-like ancestor. Because of this, we wouldn't have any more value than any other creature. But the Bible has a very different view of mankind. We were created separate and distinct from the animal kingdom and made in the very image of God. And because we bear his image, we've intrinsic worth and value no animal has. There's no ape in your ancestry. Get more solid answers from God's Word when you go to AnswersRadio.com. You can listen to this program again or many others and view a transcript at AnswersRadio.com. Now, this is from uh, Wretched uh, Radio, and actually it's their TV show, and, um, but it's all on YouTube, so their videos, anyway, either way, <laughs> and uh, this is called Daddy Do I Look Beautiful here on Tributory. Adrian, yeah. on a scale of one to ten, as a woman, rate my beauty. One, <laughs> we're, ta- we're talking Tootsie ugly here, versus whatever the, the, the are, ten of the world. You're a very ugly woman. <laughs> that hurt my self-esteem. Yes. Then for a moment, yes. I'm your daughter. Okay. All righty? Just, let's just all imagine. Uh, let's maybe not imagine this. Just Let's suspend reality for just a moment. Yes. I'm your daughter, yes. and, I, and I approach you, and I say, Daddy, okay, this is getting really weird. Daddy... How do I look today in my new suit? Right. 
I mean, maybe we could try a different set of clothes, something that. <laughs> I'm not talking about the clothes, Daddy. I'm, I'm talking about me. How do I look, Pop? You're wonderful. Ah, uh, see. All right, not, you're not getting off the hook that easily. All right. I, now, you, you're trying to avoid the subject. Yes. I kind of picked up on that. Yes. As a Christian father, how are you honest with your daughter right. who doesn't excel in the looks department, which quite honestly, from a Christian perspective, this, if it weren't for the world, uh, this would be an issue because I think it's maybe a part of the fall. But wow, look at the pressure that the world exerts on us. How are you able to be honest with me without right. crushing me? Right. Or are you not concerned about crushing me? No, no. I mean, I think I, what, I, my, what my desire is is that my children have a biblical understanding of beauty. And the emphasis on Scripture is not the external beauty. Right. So let's, so let's play I it out. I failed if this is the conversation, and I'm hoping to win the battle here. I'm hoping to not, you know, this is the, no, this is not the core. I want to get to the heart okay. of the child. But the, re- but the reality is, okay, but in the meat, I'm on my way there. Right. All right, so, Daddy, <laughs> do you think I'm beautiful? Right. Well, what an opportunity, right? No, no, no. <laughs> Daddy, do you think I'm beautiful? Well, honey, what do you mean when you say beautiful? How because do I, when I look is, is, is my, how do I, <laughs> Daddy, Mom! Which would be a little, which would be a little loud for Here's any girl. I can't imagine that. Like, okay, yes, you no, are. What do you mean you can't imagine that? That's like, exactly okay. what girls think about, and boys think no, no. about whether they look good or not, athletic not ability. That my child cool. is beautiful. Right. It's like, oh, I think all my child are beautiful. I feel like parents are predisposed to be being uh, bent towards. That's very true. Beauty. Okay, so, so you. That's helpful. Okay, so you try this one. I think you're beautiful, honey. And look, a kid hears that. Yeah. But am I beautiful? Right. I'm, not, I'm not interested in your opinion. Right. Right. Give me the objective. You need to go deeper. Like, what, what standard, though? Are you beautiful according to what? So you're not like those other Okay. Other would girls. you be willing well, to... Well, I think you're beautiful. Okay. So you would be willing to say that... You don't look like the magazines, honey. But that's not our goal as Christians. We're not aiming towards that. Your, mo- your, your mother and I, we, we love you, and we think you're beautiful. I think that's the crux of it right there. I, I, I think that is the deal. Look, nobody can script these conversations for you, but if your family isn't setting up something that the kids regularly recognize and admit, yeah, that our family is about something different, if we are not intentional about our discipleship of our children and the culture that we're creating in our homes – I think that this is an absolutely losing endeavor for you unless you and I are regularly sharing with our children. This is what the Bible says about stuff. Because know this, the world is preaching to them constantly, and the message is beautiful. No body fat. You need to look like this. These are the clothes, the hair, the styles. And if we as parents don't recognize that that's getting into our kids, we're just, we're just flat out naive. And I don't care if you're the most protective homeschool family, unless you never let your kids out from under a rock, they are hearing these messages. And it seems to me I can't say something that is biblically balanced unless it's supported by. Now, this kind of reminds me of marriage. If you're not for your spouse, to enter into your spouse's life to make some corrective suggestions you don't stand a chance why because it's like you're not on my side now you're just critiquing me similarly if our children are not regularly hearing from us 
we Christians, we just have a different set of values. And I don't think that needs to be done in a weird way where we become these geeky sort of people. I don't, I don't think that, that that's what, what, what God is looking for. But unless we are building our children's foundation on something other than the world system, which the world system is persistently doing with our kids, I'm telling you, mom and dad, think, I, I, I don't have an age. You've you got to figure this stuff out. I'm just telling you, I don't know what you do with the cell phone business, the Internet access. I do know this. If your kid has access to any of those devices, this is, this is what I, I think is, is accurate. The world has more access and is preaching more persistently than you and I are their value system than we ever can. And we lose. And so does the child. Does that mean that in our homes every single thing needs to have a Bible verse attached to it? No. But unless that, that our, our worldview, our actions, the activities of a family, the things that we do, what we buy, why we shop there, why we don't do these activities, if it's not undergirded with letting our children know, you know, God, he, he has a different value system than the world. We have been bought. We have been purchased. We have been called out. We are the elect of God. We are the bride of Christ. And we're supposed to be beautifying ourselves in a different way than what the world says. If you aren't preaching that message constantly, on those occasions when it comes down to, Daddy, do I look beautiful? Uh, I don't think that you have a chance. Two morals to this story. Number one, might I encourage you, this is not the only subject. This has to do with things like smoking drinking, what we put into our eyes, movies, music. If we, if we are just saying, no, we don't do this, no, we don't do this, no, no, we're becoming more like Pharisees than Christians. Instead, teaching, discipling constantly, which is why Deuteronomy 6 talks about that as the parental command, constantly be teaching these things so that when the world whispers, hey, don't you want fill in the blank, they don't listen to it because they have been taught God's way. Second moral to the story, please accept my heartfelt, my genuine heartfelt apology for that role play with Adrian and making you feel very, very icky. During the break, Adrian, we had a little chit-chat. Let's say the dad nails that conversation with the daughter. She wants to know about her beauty. He finds the right balance between rejecting the world system, recognizing it's an issue, internal attributes, far more beautiful to God than extra. Nails the conversation, but... But doesn't have that same type of communication with his wife. He's failed. It's not a, I nailed it once. Good. I'm, I'm good to go. Check. It's a, it's a long-term, what does your, your relationship look like in that home uh, as a whole? How are you communicating? Because out of one instant, if you're not, what, no matter what you say, they're seeing something different and forget about it. So here, then, is an example, a situation. Sir, you and the missus are going out to dinner. Uh, you are ready first. At least I hope you got ready first. And there you sit on the couch with your daughter Waiting for your wife to get ready, she comes down the staircase, and wow, does she look great. What do you say? If you fawn all over, honey, that 
Wow, you look amazing. What message are you sending to your child? You're saying external things really are important. You might also be saying you don't normally look nearly this good, honey. That's a possibility. However, what if you just, are you ready to go now? What do you say to your daughter that you don't appreciate your wife, that you don't recognize the effort that went into that, and that you can enjoy your wife? Confer a song of Solomon. Now, maybe you're thinking... I'm getting exhausted here. I, I'm, I'm feeling paralyzed. We could. And I don't think that we're supposed to. I think that that would be a ditch where we've gone too far in considering every little single thing that we say, do, how do we act, where are we looking, what's going on in my life to make sure that I'm not sending the wrong message and I'm not doing anything and I'm feeling like a complete failure. We don't want to be in that ditch. Having said that, there is another ditch. It's the do nothing. Never think about these things. This is a call to consider. Please ponder these issues because it is my opinion that if you are not at least working through them as best you can organically in your situation, which is different than mine, then you're like a ship without a rudder. You might get to shore if the winds happen to blow a certain way, but unless you are intentional and directional, most likely issues in your home and relationships will be shipwrecked. Yes, I wrote that nautical analogy. Would you like to be a better witnesser and faith sharer? Expository apologetics, Dr. Vodi Balcom. It will help you do just that, only with better grammar. This resource, many more. Available at wretched.org. Hey, yo, they said it was over, man. They said it was over. But it ain't over. We just getting started. Yo, 7,000, we all at. Let's go. Stand up, hands up. If you truly love the son of man, trust. Jesus is alive and his people he'll revive. And his fame is going to spread across the land. What's up? Stand up, hands up. Does anybody love the son of man? Trust. Jesus is the king, so his people we will sing. And forever say worthy is the land. What's up? Surprise, I'm back in your section With Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection More power than gravity His knowledge and strategies confound the academy Bow to his majesty He paid sin's salary, took up blame on Calvary Those who love his name spread his fame is the policy All eyes on the mattress price of his sacrifice That's prize, I'm after Christ and rise in the afterlife What, did we forget about the holiness of God or something? Did we forget that God owes us a rod or something? See the snake bruise when Christ came to save dudes Who hate truth, the gospel is not fake news. I gotta send the gospel sweeter than it's ever been. Ain't nothing changed. Let us send. We got the medicine. It's still human emergency. The serpent attack. You think Jesus can't save? That's alternative facts. Stand up, hands up. If you truly love the Son of Man, trust. Jesus is alive and his people he'll revive and his fame is going to spread across the land. What's up? Stand up, hands up. Does anybody love the Son of Man? Trust. Jesus is the King, so his people we will sing and forever say worthy is the land. What's up? Stop and listen to my composition. Lots of rhythm, but not tradition, no kind of different. But God consistent, no contradiction, my proposition. Through crucifixion, he mocked and crippled his opposition. It's not some fiction, I'm spitting, the Son of God is risen. And my incentive for godly living is I'm forgiven. Jesus came to unlock the prison. And through the Spirit, he brings a new birth like an obstetrician. At 
times I listen, a lot of Christian hip-hop is missing. The proper vision is my suspicion. We drop the mission. Not to this, but the word of God is it not sufficient. The doctrine is that the gospel fixes our shock condition. God the Spirit supplies conviction through proper diction. Against the backdrop of our tradition, the gospel glistens. A squad of Christians go out and witness that God's commission. Cause Jesus Christ got the top position, no competition. Stand up, hands up. If you truly love the Son of Man, trust. Jesus is alive and his people he'll revive and his fame is going to spread across the land. What's up? Stand up, hands up. Does anybody love the Son of Man? Trust. Jesus is the King, so his people we will sing and forever stay worthy is the land. What's up? They want Jesus in the background like elevator music, but we gonna celebrate and relegate him. We refuse it. They hate Christian hip hop. I peep myself. They say we too redundant. Well, let me repeat myself. What I gotta say almost feels too real estate. Sit back and feel the weight of what a real estate. Cause yo, Jesus Christ got me in the real estate. I'm purchased property, I feel like I'm real estate. If the father wasn't gracious, no synonym. Again, he came straight blameless, no synonym. Again, nothing's been the same since, no synonym. Again, fakers lack his fragrance, no synonym. This is not the picture in a frame to still Jesus. Nah, we serve the rock, the harder than still Jesus. So how we gonna be silent, let the world still Jesus. When the world and its trends pass away, it's still Jesus. Then, up, hands up, if you truly love the Son of Man, trust, Jesus is alive and his people he'll revive and his fame is going to spread across the land, what's up, stand up, hands up, does anybody love the Son of Man, trust, Jesus is the King, so his people we will sing and forever stay worthy is the land, what's up,
got the truth. We've got the truth. It's time to go.
caretakers of creation. This is Ken Ham, and our life-size Noah's Ark is open south of Cincinnati. This week we're looking at reasons we should be thankful that God created us and we didn't evolve. For many who hold to an evolutionary worldview, mankind is nothing more than a highly evolved animal. And every animal has just as much right to creation as we do. In their view, mankind, with our cities and booming population, are a destructive force on Earth. We're nothing more than a blight spoiling Mother Earth for all the other creatures. But in a biblical worldview, we're specially made in God's image and given the job by Him of caring for creation. Nature doesn't exist for its own ends. It exists to glorify God and be our home. We have a responsibility to care for it and point to the Creator. Learn how to plan your visit to our full-size Noah's Ark attraction in Kentucky with its special Christmas light display when you go to AnswersRadio.com. AnswersRadio.com.
I have a song called This Is My Father's World and let's go fishing and here's go fish with sweet song as always here on Tributorial. I love to tell the story. It will be my theme and glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love.
the gospel. This is Ken Ham, a publisher of the award-winning family magazine called Answers. Today is Thanksgiving Day here in America. I'm especially thankful for salvation. Now, all this week, we've been looking at reasons we should be thankful that God created us and we didn't evolve. How does salvation tie into this? Well, if God had used evolution, we'd be descended from an ape-like ancestor. We wouldn't all be related through a literal Adam. But Jesus came as the last Adam, a descendant of Adam himself, to redeem Adam's descendants from sin and death. It's only because we're descendants of Adam and share in his sin that we're able to be saved by the last Adam. The gospel is true because there's a first and last Adam. Learn more about the good news of the gift of salvation at AnswersRadio.com and discover more about how the history in Genesis is foundational to the gospel at AnswersRadio.com. And this to you, I really hope you hear my heart When thinking about describing you, I really don't know where to start Can't start at the beginning, cause you are before the beginning Way before the beginning, and this fallen world's distorted opinions It was just the holy trinity, ruling from infinity Glory blazed tremendously, loving one another endlessly Billions and billions of years ago, outside of what we know as time Nobody else was there to know, but Lord, here's the thing that blows my mind As long ago as that was Long ago as that was, you have not changed, Lord, oh Lord, Lord, Lord. As long ago, as long ago, as long ago as that was, you're still the same, you have not changed. What can that mean? But my God is immutable. Immutable, you are beautiful, you never change, you remain the Because of what you do, but simply because of who you are There's none like you in existence, you are God and you need no assistance Even though we show you resistance, you sent Jesus to close the distance That existed between God and man, according to your sovereign plan We changed many times in one lifespan, I've changed even since this song began Lord, I'm so glad that you're not like us, all that you do will certainly last You are the rock that we can trust, shows us back in eternity past As long ago as that was, as long ago as that was have not changed, Lord, oh Lord, 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 as long ago, as long ago, as long ago as that was, you're still the same, you have not changed, what can that mean, but my God is immutable, immutable, you are beautiful, you never change, you remain the same, immutable, about my up 
ups and downs, all of my inconsistencies, all of my idiosyncrasies, still you pursue relentlessly, at times I wonder how this can be, surely it's because of the cross, where Jesus paid the full penalty, and bore the burden of sin's great cost, I'm saved by grace and faith in God, I look to Christ and I trust he died, so even though I'm being sanctified, I can't be any more justified, his work is finished that cannot change, and with this knowledge I am free, forever this grace it will remain, because of what happened on Calvary. As long ago as that was, as long ago as that was, you have not changed, Lord, oh Lord, 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 as long ago, as long ago, as long ago as that was, you're still the same, you have not changed, what can that mean, but my God is immutable, immutable, you are beautiful, you never change, you
on top, next day you get dropped, yeah. What in the world was your mind thinking? You couldn't see the sand of time sinking. Cause one day you hot, the next day you not. One day you on top, next day you get dropped, yeah. Better plan for the future, kid. Time catches up to everyone, no matter who it is. What I'm speaking on is seriously welcomed by the few. Even no experience to tell you that it's true. On your radio station, this won't be found on the playlist. Wisdom, the sound of the sages, resounding for ages. The older I get, I notice it. The whole of the script, hmm, it's found in the pages. The holy writ, not the cash speech of the reverend. But what a man sees under heaven. Ecclesiastes 111. No matter who you are, death aims to stop you. Whether banker, doctor, or Frank Sinatra. Before your time is done, meet the timeless one. The dying, death-defying, rising, shining sun. King Jesus, astounds and amazes. He pounded the pavement to save those who were bound to their cages. So let us praise the one who made the Everglades. Our debt was paid, so in glory we'll never fade. Never fade. Never fade. An unchanging framework. This is Ken Ham, president of Answers in Genesis, Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. All this week we've been looking at reasons we should be thankful that God created us and we didn't evolve. Well, here's number five. With God's word, we have a correct framework through which we can interpret the world. The evolutionary worldview changes constantly. New evidence is found and interpreted in ways that overturn previous ideas. Evolution is a constant shifting sand of ideas, but God's Word provides a framework that's unchanging. We can use it to interpret the evidence. Though the models we build based on Scripture change, the framework of a recent creation, global flood, and division of languages doesn't change. That's because we have a firm foundation. Want to learn more about the history in Genesis and how to interpret the world through that lens? Visit our website at AnswersRadio.com for answers to these and many other questions. My God is so big and so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big and so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. My God. Beginning, God made everything. 
my God, but go fishing now. I just, I love you. Uh, I love the hero. Tributory.
wanna do is praise your name From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same You are my God and all I wanna do is praise your name
That goldfish was crazy. And next you got goldfish was saved here on Tripitori. I have a Bible that I read. I know the truth and I believe. I go to church with my friends. I have a joy that never ends. Not because of anything I've done. There's a reason. Sure do like seeing you first thing in the morning. 
Do you ever compliment her efforts? According to a woman who wrote this article, she said you better or you're going to make her feel ugly. Sir, have you complimented your wife for the way she presents herself, regardless of how she is compared to the world by saying, I really like looking at you, honey? And number two, praise another woman with words you've never used for your wife. Or daughters, whoa, she is a knockout. Ever called your wife or daughters a knockout? Whoa, she's, she looks really great this morning at church. Uh, have you ever said that to your wife or daughters? Furthermore, might I go a step further? I don't think a man ever needs to comment about another woman's looks, good, bad, or otherwise. I don't think there's any value in it, sir. I, this is... This is free. Your mileage may vary. I don't think by saying something good about it, she's normally frumpy. You know, today she kind of got cleaned up, looks pretty good. I, I don't think you win. Furthermore, if you see a woman who is not all that put together and you go, oh, what a frump. I don't think that's a winner either. Commenting on another woman's presentation I don't think there's any benefit in that. Number three way to make your wife feel ugly, look at pornography. Why will you make her feel ugly? Because she doesn't think that you find her attractive. You think other women are more interesting than she is. Uh, that just isn't discouraging. That's crushing. Number four from Amberly. Not initiating a hug or kiss. Number five, do a double take when another woman walks by. And by the way, according to Amberly, sir, this is a woman's perspective. Even a quickie, she knows. You look, you turn, you're just kind of peripheral. Your wife knows, said Amberly. Take it from her when you and I do that. It basically says to our wife, we, we, we find somebody that's more interesting in the looks department than you. Yeah, that hurts a bit. And finally, from Amberly Lovell, peek at your phone while your sweetheart is talking. You say, what? I say, how do you feel when you're talking to somebody and they go, yeah, just hold on one second. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm back. And you go, what am I, chopped liver here? Bingo. Hey, folks, Crazy Al here to talk about Wretched's Christmas Sale. At every order, you get a copy of Todd's book, Judge Not. It's amazing, and that's crazy. Also, a new resource, Expository Apologetics with Dr. Bodie Balcom. Yeah, I do a couple more. Let me tell you something. What? Once again, our website is wretched.org. And thanks for listening to Most Control here on Trippy Toll Radio. Let's see what I got. Gonna play. This is Shelter in a Time of Storm. Excuse me. Shelter in a Time of Storm here on Trippy Toll Radio. <laughs> Hey, hey, hey Yeah, he's the rock I see 
for the 7,000. I know you out there. I still get the emails. Against the Church of Christ, the gates of hell will never prevail. It's founded on the rock, and the gospel never stops. So we dropping the topic, whether it's popular or not. Sin is not just toxic, and the clock is going to stop. God is not to be boxed with the wrath of God is burning hot. We were locked in sin's closet. Our conflict was cosmic. God plotted to stop and hit the demonic with a shot. I was copping narcotics, agnostic with a plot. No optics for the knowledge of the God who often not. Jesus rocked me with the gospel and it tied me up in knots. So I hopped in the rocket and met the prophet at the top. Yo, that's just another way of saying I met God in the scriptures. But we just gonna let that breathe for a second, you know what I mean? The Bible says he was been forgiven much, loves much. We gonna talk about BC a little bit. My depravity was total, not small like pops. I was chained to sin, I couldn't take off the locks. I thought I was a player, a match with the flavor. Say, so yeah, I know what the time is, but I ain't bet Isaiah. I would chuckle daily as I paid for disgrace. My eyes were always puffy like I got sprayed with mace. I would toot my horn at parties, and I would do bars. Got so intoxicated, I was ready to do Mars. Notorious for acting pretty silly in my city, Philly. Friends hear about it and be like, whoa, did he really? Because I played dirty, Bill Lambeer style. Through great mercy, spirit filled and dear child. Went from so gritty to headed to a gold city. In Christ I shine, the world's like no biggie. Whatever time to sing, I'm putting faith on the song. 112, displayed in John, the way to respond. When his patience runs out, then it's time for the ride, man. Microwave, wrath of God, fam. That's why, because of Christ, I got mad joy. All I'm saying is I used to be a bad boy. <laughs> but nowadays, I'm regenerated. Born again from above, fam. How else can I say that? Went from various vices to a kid that's married to Christ. Using literary devices to spit is very precise. My conversion to the master was so dramatic. I just wanted to be an ambassador or fanatic. The gospel was my tonic. With Christ, I couldn't lose. But to walk with God like Enoch, I knew I couldn't cruise. This walk is a beast, but nothing's greater than the cross. Saw the mark of the east and the of the laws, while power records were choosing to carry G-Unit, I was on that revolutionary theme music, the brothers from the Lou held it down as well, but we noticed a big shift in 2012, around the time Jackie asked me about Calvinism, Christian hip-hop found a different algorithm, and crossed over, without taking the crossover, made us all sober, years later, is it all over? Trip asked me if I was still motivated, I was quiet, but I wanted to say no, I hate it, cause brothers in your camp causing lots of confusion, I love them as Brothers in Christ, but not their conclusions. They want to reach the world by all means, keep pursuing it. But tell me why they gotta diss the church while they doing it. That's what I wanted to say, but I ain't say it though. But no more laying low, I want them to play it slow. And I ain't dissing them, my prayers are the proof. Like Boaz without Ruth is unity without truth. CHH is like gorillas in the mist. With no brotherly love, it's like Philly don't exist. What's happening here? It's a different atmosphere. Cats appear most concerned about a rap career. Brothers overseas being slain in the Saying while we're vain in our plan, taking fame and some fans, and I ain't got time to philosophize. Satan got a plot device. I'm seeing lots of guys apostatize. On top of all that, Donald Trump's the president. It's all good though, cause Jesus Trump's the president. So more than ever, I'm trying to rep the Lord who bled, and we ain't never gonna stop. Word to Corey Red. I'm just trying to give a healthy demonstration of theocentric music for the selfie generation. See the problem is sin, no riddle in it, cause all sin got I in the middle of it. We're mad to praise. And truly evil We need to be born again Without a Matt Damon movie sequel In the gospel God addresses our depravity The lamb slain at Calvary The depths of his agony He rose from the grave With abundant grace And when we come in faith He'll bring us up From the sunken place Our sins decrepit Depths left the mess No rest was left Till Jesus put death to death The beauty of the victory Truly is a mystery The cross of Jesus Christ Is at the nucleus of history Before the cross They were saved on credit After the cross We've been saved on debit 
since our champion in the great war suffered, we gon' proclaim his death like the Lord suffer. So welcome to the Still Jesus Project, yo, we just getting started and we got a lot left. Get social with Truth Be Told Radio. Check us out on our Facebook like page at Truth Be Told Radio. You can find our website at truthbetoldradio.com. That is T-R-U-T-H-B-E-T-O-L-D-R-A-D-I-O dot C-O-M. Truthbetoldradio.com. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or want to tell us anything? Send those emails to truthbetoldradioshow at gmail.com. Remember, by sending us your email, you give us permission to read it on the air. So write us at truthbetoldradioshow at gmail.com. If you'd like to read blogs, we've got you covered. Check out ours at truthbetoldradio.blogspot.com. That's truthbetoldradio.blogspot.com. Also, follow us on Twitter as truth, the letter B, then told radio. That is T-R-U-T-H-B. T-O-L-D-R-A-D-I-O. Once again, that is truth, the letter B only, not B-E, told radio. This is due to the restraints for Twitter's username link. Finally, to learn the testimony of Melissa Canchoa, the hostess of Truth Be Told Radio, see smilesandstuff.com. That's S-M-I-L-E-S-A-N-D-S-T-U-F-F dot C-O-M smilesandstuff.com So stay social with us and thanks for listening to Truth Be Told Radio.
we got for Troop Origin to go out with, <clears throat> excuse me, go out with Yancy and friends. Thanks for listening, and bye for now. The beat.